It is a WrestleMania special on the Daily Wrestling News Show. Okay now, from the beginning. This is a special edition of the Daily Wrestling News Show. We are powered by the Eastern Observer. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am coming to you from Minutes to Bell Time Studios on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. I am joined by the man who chose WrestleMania 19 as one of his favorite WrestleManias, Al Carl. Al? I'm excited to talk about 19. Yeah, you were excited. You were just saying before we went on. It was like, oh, I got to get myself excited. For this. Yeah, you got to work on the cold opens. But, yeah, the intro, that got me excited. I got my Triple H jersey. I believe I was wearing this when I was watching WrestleMania 19 Live way back in 2003. Uh, get excited. I'm excited. Uh, ready to roll. All right. Well, I'm going to ring the bell, and we're going to get underway. WrestleMania question, the show, at the end, we're going to say whether or not we think it holds up. And I think I already know your answer, but let's go. Your, so your WrestleMania question today is, why is this WrestleMania so important to you? It was, it's stacked. It was completely stacked. There was not one bad match on the card. Every match had so much meaning for it, whether it was a title, whether it was a lawsuit, whether it was somebody's last match. Everything was just absolutely in an era where they had just split the brands for the first time right after WrestleMania 18. So you had this Raw SmackDown dynamic going where they really they didn't even cross paths that Survivor Series at that time too. They just stayed away from each other with the exception of the big shows. There wasn't anything interpromotional until WrestleMania 20 the following year. So everything was just, it was, and we'll go through a card, you know, match by match on the card. Everything, there was not a, a weak spot on the card. And then you had, and they, what they accidentally, I guess they were just filming it live just for the sake of filming a documentary after the fact. And I tried to look this up. It is not on the WWE Network. It is not. It's the clips of it are on YouTube. But uh, what came with the WrestleMania 20 uh, DVD set uh, was uh, uh, the documentary that was narrated by Jesse the Body Ventura called The Mania of WrestleMania. And the complete, just hell that was happening before and during that show and then the, and the fact that it came off as great as it was and we you know I'll, i'm gonna be referencing that uh on, on some of the matches but everything that just led up to this and like i said there was injuries people were hospitalized it was just absolutely nuts and it's just the fact that you know some of these matches are matches that should be talked about to this day, and I'm not sure if they are or not. They are by me because this show actually has the most matches on my WrestleMania Top 30 countdown. I have mentioned all three of them on the Essential Wrestling Podcast, so I'm not spoiling anything here. Uh, but this show was just everything I could have possibly ever wanted. And the, the, another reason why I love it so much is because actually I watched with about uh, eight or nine of my friends way back in 2003 – I had an apartment with my brother. 
Uh, you know, I just graduated college. I was living, you know, the, the single bachelor life. It was fun. It was great. And we did a little uh, survivor pool with uh, the card. And pretty much I didn't know I didn't have the point system like PWP like I have now. So pretty much I took everybody's picks. And then it was like it was like a, a survivor league or a suicide pool in football where once you lose, you're out. And then you go to the last person survives. Um, Who won? I won it, and I actually nailed the show. I went nine and zero. I completely nailed this show. It was everything I wanted it to be. The following year at WrestleMania twenty, I tried the same thing. I went two and twelve or two and ten. I got the Undertaker. Right? No, that's how you start. You just check off the Undertaker. You know you got at least one. You bet Triple H, and if he wins, you work backwards from there. But. uh so uh, right. this was this was just a lot of fun, a lot of great memories. It was a great era. It was a great Royal Rumble leading up to it. Um, that again, not many people talk about. I recently watched it with John Smith when the Royal Rumble was coming about. Like, have you ever watched 2003? He's like, no. I'm like, oh my god! Like, it was just it was phenomenal. So I said, I just absolutely this just cover to cover. This was this was complete gold in my book. Blows my mind that you got went nine and zero because as I went and did. Um, research on this, you know, I'm reading all the, you know, the critics reports and stuff on WrestleMania 19 and within the first paragraph, you know, they're all saying they love the show, but they didn't anticipate the finishes. <laughs> so it's kind of incredible yeah. to me that you went 9-0 and on this. The critics thought a lot of the matches would go the other way. So. And a lot of them did. And I, I did take some gambles. And like I said, you check off The Undertaker, that's one. I check off Triple H every year. That's two. And then I work off Triple H going backwards. Yep. So if Triple H is defending, then I'm going to have Lesnar winning. And then, okay, well, then that's, you know, you know I kind of just went that route. Uh, but the first match we're talking about, it was kind of a long shot. I'm not exactly sure why I took the winner in that, but I, I did nail. And that took out seven of the nine people in the oh, my yeah. survivor pool right off the bat because nobody had that. Well, before we get into the card – Yes. We have to do the trivia. Yes. yes. So let me play the bumper and we'll get going on trivia. It's a WrestleMania special, but it's the standard rules. Five questions, a simple majority correct gets you the win. If you win, you get the Goldberg Oscar Award. If you lose, you get a Hawkins. So here we go. First question. There was only one person to have a backstage interview in all of WrestleMania 19. Who was it? If, if it's what I'm thinking of, and I make sure I watch it every single time before I rewatch this match. <laughs> Nobody remembers Act 1. Nobody remembers Act 2. Everybody remembers Act 3, the climax, how the greatest rivalry in sports entertainment ends. It was The Rock. It was The Rock. I, th I feel comfortable if you say the greatest rivalry in sports. I don't think it's entertaining. Sport, maybe, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it's up there. I know, I know Larry I and Magic might have an argument with that, but okay, we'll, we'll do with that. All right, great. So one for one, you got The Rock. How many WWE Hall of Famers were on the card? This is a brutal question uh, for everybody, but I'll give, you, I'll give you a choice. Seven, six, five, or four? Seven, six, five, or four. Hall of Famers. Current Hall of Famers today. Yes, yes. So you got Kurt Angle, Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. You got to count them, right? They're Hall of Famers. Shawn Michaels and Triple H. You mean it was DX. Ric Flair. No, Ric Flair didn't wrestle, though. Booker T. Hogan. 
Yeah, I'll go with six. Steve Austin. I thought I said Austin. Okay. You did it. <laughs> Seven. Shawn Michaels. Oh, six. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Steve I thought Austin, I said Austin. Yeah. Kurt Angle, Booker T, and Hulk Hogan. I have shut Steve Austin written twice. So six. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so we should, yeah, well, you gotta write down Shawn Michaels twice, right? He's a two-time Hall of Famer. He's only one well, then, then, then the answer's eight. <laughs> there was there. Booker's yeah, so, a two-timer too, right? Booker's a two-timer. And also a five-timer. <laughs> and he's a five-timer, yeah. He didn't get six that night. Who accompanied Matt Hardy to the ring for the opening contest? Was it Lita, Jeff Hardy, Shannon Moore, or Christian? It was that little MF or Shannon Moore before he had the Mohawk now that he has. Yes. Yeah. He, was just, he just came off WCW, the, the three count with him, Evan Courageous, and, and who yeah. became the Hurricane. It was Gregory Helms, Shane Helms. It's Sugar Shane Helms was his name. No, it wasn't. So your question, your your choices are Lita, Jeff Hardy, Shannon Moore, or Christian? Yeah, it was Shannon Moore. So it was yeah, okay. Yeah, Shannon Moore was in three count with Evan Courageous and and Gregory Helms. It was known as yes. Sugar Shane Helms. Shane Helms. Okay, okay. I thought you were changing your answer to Shane Helms. I'm like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> no, no, no. Shannon Moore, the little M effort, not a tooth father. All right, three for three. Things are things are going your way as they typically do in trivia. <laughs> uh, Victoria entered WrestleMania 19 with the females championship. What was the name of the title? Was it WWE Women's Championship, Divas Championship, Raw Championship, or SmackDown Championship? She, yeah, she, the Divas Championship did not exist then, nor did the specific brands champions. The uh, yeah, the, the the WWE Women's Championship was actually a uh, Raw exclusive title. There you go. You are correct. WWE Women's Championship. Of course, she would not leave with it. We'll talk about that later. Hulk Hogan wrestled Vince McMahon in one of the key matches. Yes. What was the stipulation associated with the match? Well, it was a street fight where if Hogan lost, he was forced to retire. So it was actually, you know, somewhat of a career-threatening match as well. That is correct. Perfect. 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 It feels so weird to play those at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you gave me the Goldberg because he showed up actually the next night. So, you know, we'll get into him after this, you know. Absolutely, yeah. WrestleMania 19, March 30th, 2003, Safeco Field, Seattle, Washington. WWE reported 54,097 in attendance, a legitimate number. The record that was a record for Safeco Field and one of the top 10 biggest in WWE history at the time. 2.7 million dollar gate was the fourth largest in company history. The Wrestling Observer poll, reader poll, 86% of people gave it a thumbs up. 9% of people, 9.7% of people gave the show a thumbs in the middle. Only 4% gave it a thumbs down and I don't know what show they were watching. Yeah. So, that is that is actually remarkable for a WWE show from that newsletter to have that well of a reception. So there were no holes on this. They had every one of their star athletes, you know, whether it be full time or part time. They had it was all hands on deck on this one, and it was it was absolutely perfect. And I just want to before so before we get into the main show, the trivia question we talked about. Like there was one thing that you would have got me on um, that I looked up and I couldn't remember. It was actually on the pre-shows. It was on half. It was on Sunday night heat. I couldn't remember who John Cena was supposed to have the rap battle with, um, and the guy bailed out because I guess right. I don't know he didn't want to do it or Cena was going to upstate. I forget what it was, but this was the 
you know, right when John Cena was baby Dr. Thugonomics, he did not have a match on the card. He was supposed to have a rap battle with somebody. I can't remember who it was. Well, it was supposed to be. Let's see. Jay-Z? I maybe. I you know, I don't know. That that um, would make me make sense. I don't know. Well, I'll read this. Uh I have a, a paragraph here on John Cena that I'll read sometime during the show and we'll get back to that. All right. So uh, it's a great show by any standard. Even the harshest critics were kind to it. Meltzer gave four, three matches a four-star or better. Also, that's incredible for one show to give that many. Uh, Wade Keller said, there may have never been another WrestleMania with as many major stars from yeah. so many different eras participating in important career matches that lived up to or surpassed expectations. Sunday's 19th annual WWE Mega Pay-Per-View has become one of the most well-reviewed pay-per-views of all time. It delivered a number of high-quality matches, including two match-of-the-year candidates mixed with memorable, memorable moments, such as the first Vince McMahon-Hulk Hogan match. <laughs> so critics are kind. That's, you know, that's always the first sign. Like, if the critics are good to it, um, then you know that it's going to be well received. So. And, and he hit the nail right on the head. It's just it's it was every it was all hands on deck. If you were able to compete, you were on this card. Yeah, and you indicated earlier earlier in your uh, initial when I asked you the initial question of why'd you like the show so much, this show was on hanging by a thread. Yeah, like like there were so many people that probably should not have wrestled that did. Yeah. And people walking away with injuries and things like that, and and let's let's be honest, Hogan McMahon could have been a horrible match, but there's lots of emotion around it and, and things like that, and the storytelling was great. So yeah, there was a reason why they made that match a street fight. You know, nobody wants to yes. see them have a technical wrestling match. That would have been bad. Right. So we'll get to Hogan, but we're going to start with the cruiserweight championship. Matt Hardy, Rey Mysterio. Hardy gets the win in five minutes and 39 seconds. Tons of interference from Shannon Moore, who we talked about. Yeah. Ray went for a victory roll, but Hardy leaned in like Owen Hart from WrestleMania 10 with Brett. Hardy grabbed the ropes, got the pin. Meltzer said it was too short with a flat finish, two and a quarter stars. Um, but Keller reported very good for a five-minute match. Disappointing on a four-hour show that they couldn't get the cruiserweights more time. Two and a quarter stars as well, but... Seems to be consensus there. Well, here's the thing. They got time. That was the first ever Cruiserweight Championship match at WrestleMania on the main card, and it is one of two ever. The yeah. next one was at WrestleMania 20, and there has not been one since. Why? Because now, now we'll get in the conversation on why you know Neville and Austin Aries wasn't on the main show, but that's you know that's here nor there. But the the fact that the Cruiserweight Championship, you know. It, it finally got on the card, and a lot of that had to do with Rey Mysterio, even if even if he didn't win, because you know Rey Rey came. They built him, you know the the jumping out the sky and R E Y, and he, you know his song, and then he came out dressed as Daredevil, which was pretty cool. He always had um, a superhero uh, kind of homage uh, to his WrestleMania outfits. That was his first WrestleMania. Um, you know he debuted fighting Kurt Angle at SummerSlam the year prior, so they came in guns a blazing with Rey Rey. So there was no reason to leave him. Uh, or the Cruiserweight Championship off this card, uh, even though in a losing effort. And like I said, Matt Hardy was coming, this whole V1 thing, you know, John Smith's favorite, you know, V1 Matt Hardy. The music was great. Uh, this was Matt's fourth WrestleMania, as we noticed. They, we, he often wonders why, how they did WrestleMania without him. 
uh, <laughs> which is always fun in his intros. He always had, you know, Matt strongly dislikes mustard, you know, and the whole thing when 2003, when computers first came in and he needed the freaking, you know, the download, the internet, and, you know, it was, it, it was really great. Shannon Moore did a great job. And the fun thing is, uh, you know, I, I kind of watched the beginning of it just because I like Matt's music. Uh, he weighed in at 220. That's right. You know, back then the cruiserweight title weight limit was 225, not 205. Yep, and I have in my notes here. I was actually going to bring that point up. 220 pounds is exactly 100 kilograms. So 100 kilograms is the standard overseas for the the juniors and the heavies, and that makes sense. I don't know where 205 comes from. I if, if, I, I don't know if in boxing or if USC, if that is the actual cruiserweight limit. I don't know the weight classes. I mean, that stuff's fake anyway. I don't know how anybody watches that stuff. But, um, yeah, you know, and, and Taz, you know, in the weeks leading up to that, you know, Matt was always cutting weight to win the title. And Taz, as the SmackDown uh, color commentator analyst, you know, you know, it's, you know something you know, Matt's drinking tea this week as part of his, you know, his weight loss regimen, you know, and so it's, it's, Taz bought into it. Taz was uh, – Taz was a big uh, believer of the Mattitude followers and Shannon Moore being a little MFer, you know, which obviously, you know, stood for Mattitude followers, the sensei of Mattitude, you would call him. And, you know, what's interesting is when, when you, if you go back and you read that Keller quote, and it was something you said too, uh, never been as many, uh, another WrestleMania with as many stars from as many different eras. Yeah. And then you start the match, you start the show with Matt Hardy and Rey Mysterio. When he made that comment, he wasn't thinking about 2021, where you have Matt Hardy in you know in a key match on a pay per view, uh, and you have Rey Mysterio who's still relevant in WWE. So, uh, yeah, Dominic I guess that was, was probably yeah, very much so. Dominic was probably only maybe like three, four years old. Dominic wasn't wrestling yet at this point in time. Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, different errors and different things, and not even like as far as age with errors here, you know, it's not like you know, Sean and Jericho that we'll talk about later. This was WCW, you know, this was another fallout on the invasion because Ray Ray wasn't involved in the invasion, so right, right. So, um, we can move to match two, uh, Undertaker versus A Train and Big Show. Um, so Nathan Jones was supposed to be involved here. And he wasn't. Uh, Limp Biscuit plays yes. the Undertaker down with Roland for the for his entrance. Um, critics were least kind to this match than any other on the show. Um, I just probably not their favorite Undertaker match, but uh, it was supposed to be a tag match with Nathan Jones. Jones did make it out towards the end. Um, Taker would hit a train with a tombstone for the win. What's up, Al? You got you've been making a lot of faces as I. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So, as far as the credit tell, yes, this is the one match I fast forward. Uh, okay. If I do it all, like I said, I, I watched Taker's intro. We watched it. I watched it with this morning with my wife. Uh, you know, I like Limp Biscuit, Fred Thirst. Keep rolling. You know, it was a great. I get goosebumps when he came out and he drove down. The, you know, that was pretty cool. The flag flying in the background. But yeah, so. Was this a tag team match? Was this a handicap match? Is Undertaker's streak should have an asterisk next to it because blatant interference by Nathan Jones right in front of the referee. Yep. Twice, maybe the okay, we'll give him the pass on the first one because when he knocked out Big Show with that kick, uh, Nathan Jones, uh, that was in the Iowa. I could see how the referee would miss that, but he just hopped right in the ring. 
and 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 did a spin kick on a train, which led into the, the tombstone for the win. Referee's right there. So like, this wasn't a no disqualification match. This wasn't. You go on Wikipedia. You go on any official site. Undertaker wins a handicap match. For, yep. Did he? So if it was a handicap match, he should have been DQ. You should. Yeah. Man, that would really put a sour taste in people's mouth. Yeah, you can't even <laughs> just look past this one. I mean, I'll, I'll nitpick here, but you know what? Just whatever. Tombstone, yeah. take her at WrestleMania, the streak. I'm okay with it too. I, I'd, I'd rather the streak continue. Other than like, oh, you know, that, that you know, he that actually, you know, he lost uh, at WrestleMania 19 when, you know, Nathan Jones got him disqualified, you know? <laughs> So Meltzer gave it one and a quarter stars. Keller gave it one and a half. Keller said average action at best. And Meltzer uh, and Keller actually were both terrified of that tombstone because A Train, yeah. it looked like A Train was not going to walk ever again after that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He dropped them hard on that one. And I, you know, it's funny, you know, when they when they booked this match, you know, when it was a tag team match up until Sunday Night Heat when and when Show and A Train took him out in the shower. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of I was upset by that, you know. I'm like, oh my, man, Taker, like all these years now. This was what his is. This was his eleventh, I believe, because I remember Flair at eighteen. Uh, he threw up the ten after uh, he beat Flair for ten and zero. So this was win number, like ten years. Like they're gonna put him in a tag team match now. Like this is this yeah. is not gonna be right. And then all of a sudden, okay, perfect handicap match. You know, one on two. This looks badass. You know, this is the you know I like that. I just don't. Yeah, they just, just everyone just looks past the fact that Nathan Jones should have been disqual- no disqualified. Yeah, and I don't think we've seen Nathan Jones since. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> no, and no, in no high-profile situation have we ever seen Nathan Jones again. <laughs> Trivia question: What was his nickname? I don't know. I the no Colossus of Bagarod or something like that. Okay. I had a friend in high school named Nathan Jones. <laughs> so. Oh, you're really nice. <laughs> Uh, so interestingly, this next match, Trish Stratus gets a win over Victoria, who was the WWE Women's Champion, and Jazz in 717. She's the new women's champion. Meltzer and Keller both point to this match as like, this is the point where this mania starts to go. Yep. And it's like, you know, they had some complaints about the Hardy match being too short. They had some complaints about the Undertaker match being average action at best. But here they say, specifically Meltzer says, Stratus deserves some sort of an award for someone who easily could have made it as eye candy, worked her way through some bad matches, and is a ton better worker than anyone could have ever imagined her being 18 months ago. Great match. Yeah, a couple things about this match. First of all, thank you, Uncle Dave, for finally being positive about something. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, Trish has come a very long way since running around with Test and Albert way back when, when she first came in. Not yes. to mention, like, I think it was about two years prior, that whole thing with, uh, it was a 2001 Rumble, when Hunter and Angle, they were doing a little heel-on-heel action for the title, and Trish was like in uh, with like dating Vince McMahon while Linda was in a coma or something. Yes. And, like Vince would make out with Trish right in front of Linda, which was really, really awkward. So she's come a very long way. He's 100% correct. She worked her ass off. And this match specifically, it actually, on my top 30 list, this was the first one on this show. It actually came in at number 23rd, number 23, excuse me, on my top 30 favorite WrestleMania matches. And it's the only women's match on this list. 
Wow. This match dropped my jaw when I watched it live. I'm like, oh my god, like this this is what women's wrestling is. You know, Jazz. I believe uh, Jr. said it when Jazz was walking down the aisle. Like, I mean this as the biggest compliment ever. She's got that young Mike Tyson swagger, and yeah. I couldn't agree more to that. Victoria, uh, this was the first of two WrestleManias in a row where she walked the aisle as champion. She also walked down the aisle at WrestleMania 20 um, as champion as well. So she is a very well-accomplished wrestler, and we just saw her. She had a nice little fun appearance uh, in the Royal Rumble uh, this past January. Um, so it was fun to see her again. I loved the, the, the crazy Victoria, and she had the, the music that actually is. She had... Uh, some kind of uh, a real life band. It was a real song that she used uh, that I believe that the network, uh, I guess Vince didn't want to pay for it. Uh, kind of like when you watch, if you watch WrestleMania 19 on, on the network, you know, it wasn't Voodoo Child that played yeah. Hogan down the ring. So it's the same as Victoria. And uh, she had Steven Richards, who, who was, you know, great comic leaf as Stevie does. And yeah, Trish got the win this year. She got jobbed bad at WrestleMania 18 in her home crowd of Toronto. She, she, for whatever reason, they didn't give her the belt that night. Um, but she regained it. And like I said, I had nothing like this was jaw dropping. This was eye opening. Uh, this was the launch pad, you know, Trish, you know, now that I guess Charlotte's in the conversation is the greatest female competitor of all time. And, uh, you know, the women's evolution, you know, is, is since then put on matches of equal caliber, but you know, nothing, you know, you never remember, uh, you never forget your first try. And this match was for women's wrestling was just absolutely just it was it was a different level you know then you know we backtracked to the you know the catfight girls later on but this was where women's wrestling uh i guess the vision of where they wanted to be absolutely and you know, so trish hits stratisfaction on stevie richards she hits the chick kick on victoria to get the win keller points to jazz's intensity in this match and i think that goes back to what you were saying with the mike tyson yeah. analogy um i recalled seeing a Jazz doing a Mishinoku driver that actually ended more like a power slam. So it was yeah. kind of, it was a really impressive move, uh, enough to where I I took note. But like yeah, this is where the show starts to kick off. They both they both gave it over two stars. Didn't give it you know quite three four or anything like that. But they they noted intensity and the work here was the launching point for this WrestleMania. And uh, and and there you go. So we're gonna be on. We're gonna be on a roll from here on out, and I know we're gonna hit some more of your your top thirties. So. Yeah, you're gonna. But just real quick, just to rewind the WrestleMania 18 again. I do believe Jazz won that match. I think she walked in and out as champion at 18. Not exactly. I think Jazz did win though, but it was a triple threat match also. But it was Trish, Jazz, and Lita. And P I remember this match with Victoria subbing in for Lita. Maybe because it's a year later. Maybe because Trish and Jazz. Um, had a, a year under their belt to work together. Maybe that's the reason why it was better. But that'll just go to show you. Everybody loves Lita. Lita's so great. And Victoria was the upgrade in that match from 18. Yep. Yeah, Victoria is amazing. She does not get her due. No, she does not. She should be in the Hall of Fame. Like I said, you walk the aisle twice at WrestleMania as champion, and you defend it one of those two times. Like, you, it's – come on. Well, you know, they haven't made any announcements this year, so we'll see. As of this taping. As of this taping, as of this taping, good point. The coach has an interview with The Rock, who we talked about earlier. The Rock talks about the people, the people that booed The Rock last year. He could care less about the people. This match with Steve Austin is his holy grail. 
Okay. Act one and act two don't matter. The only thing everybody remembers is act three. So that is the setup. We have our match a little later on that we'll get to. And then finally. And that's it. No, finally. no, finally. Yes. <laughs> match four. Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero versus Chris Benoit and Rhino versus Team Angle, who are the champions. Eight minutes, 46 seconds. Rhino hits the gore on Chavo. Benjamin makes the cover for the win. Great match, Al. And here we go. Is that the second of the three matches that made my WrestleMania top 30? Yes, I know. This, this, these are my favorites. This match was just completely off the hook. So <laughs> this match came in at number 28. You know, it's closer to 30 than it is to one, obviously. But Team Angle, I, I, think, I believe the story was Team Angle was a gift from Paul Heyman to Kurt Angle. Uh, two <laughs> collegiate wrestlers, all-American wrestlers in college. Um, they were in the company. I believe they showed up in like December or January, maybe a little bit after the Rumble, because I don't remember them in the Benoit match at the Rumble. Uh, they won the tag titles within the month at the, the February, at No Way Out, and now they walk the aisle at WrestleMania, beat Los Guerreros, and then they beat Benoit and Rhino. A random team of Benoit and Rhino, which is fine. There's some ECW ties there. Both guys um, actually sat in a, uh, a luxury suite at WrestleMania 18 in neck braces. They actually both missed WrestleMania 18 due to neck surgery. Um, and it, it, it just it was just completely nonstop. It was completely not like how do you like a, like a young Shelton and Charlie against four extremely uh, seasoned veteran technical wrestlers. And I'm, I'm gonna say, yeah, Rhino's in that conversation. Rhino's power, but Rhino can, you know, he can throw on a technical match if he needs to. And it just, it was the uh, the SmackDown tag titles. It was a SmackDown match. The Raw tag titles got bounced to the pre-show. So these were the only tag titles defended on the actual show. And and yeah, Team Angle snuck out the win. They were, uh, like I said, within two months of being in the company. No one's ever heard of them. Whatever, I guess they were training in OVW, but they just came up out of completely nowhere, won the titles, then walked down the aisle to Kurt Angle's music, which was great, and then uh, defended them, and then they walked back, and it was just, it was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. Great match. Like I said, we're coming off the momentum of that women's triple threat match. We've got a tag triple threat match. Uh, Meltzer gave the, the match three stars, uh, only, be only because it was a little quick, and they seemed, he thought that it could have gone a little bit longer. Um, seemed to be getting going when they went to the finish. This was a quote from the Observer, but still three stars. This is the way a match or a card needs to go, right? You have your your two and a quarter, two and three quarter star, and then you have your three star. Then you start getting into the heaters, and that's kind yeah. of where we're going. This was more of like the New Japan style, the crescendo. Yeah, you know they go from you know the not want to say the worst because I don't want to put Ray and Matt in that category, but like. You go, you know, you rank them one through uh, nine through one, and you start when you go forward. That's what New Japan does, it seems like to me. Mm -hmm. um, and this was at crescendo. And like I said, that is and the, the fact that you know the fact that we're calling Rey Mysterio and Matt Hardy one. And I mean, it says something about that card, but that's just not a knock at all at either no. Ray Ray or Matt or the Cruiserweight Championship or this tag match 
Even. Or this tag match either. But then they, if you throw this tag match and this is – see, now now you got the big five in front of you. You got the four main events and then the next match that we're going to talk about, which was, oh, my God, the first time in four years. Yes. Yeah. And so the, one final thing on that I, I was watching and I noted Chris Benoit did what I what I have to describe as a pop-up cross face because he, yeah, yes. he popped – uh, Guerrero up in the air, and then as he come down, he grabbed him straight into the crossface and into the yep. mat. So these guys, incredibly talented uh, individuals. So and and they're all close. I mean, other than Haas and Benjamin, like, you know, Benoit, Eddie, Chavo, and I'm sure I know they're all ECW guys too. You know, it's like yeah. they all know they all have the chemistry. This was just a perfect pairing, and then you throw two young guys with uh, collegiate uh, athletic backgrounds who can obviously go. It was just, it was you know you don't. It, it's it's tough, you know. You want to people kind of knock the train wreck, you know, the three team, four team matches every once in a while because oh, there's just too much going on. But they, when you get the right blend, like oh my god, right? And this was a good blend. Yeah. Um, next matchup is Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. This is one of the Jericho career matches. You know, this is the one. In fact, if 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 you were probably to ask thirty people, you know, hundred people, what's the best Chris Jericho match ever? I bet you 70 of them were going to say Shawn Michaels from Jer- Jericho versus at WrestleMania 19. So, yeah. And, and to me, yeah, that that's arguable. I mean, I guess wrestling wise. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it this. Like this is, this is up there. It's not one of my favorites. I mean, I got a lot of Jericho favorites, uh, but for Shawn Michaels, this is it for me. Like I, yeah. I, I don't dislike Shawn Michaels. I really like Shawn Michaels. I appreciate Shawn Michaels. Not a fan. Like I'm, I'll watch this stuff once. I'm being awe of it. Like, oh my god, that was, I'm not gonna go back and rewatch it. This one, I'll go back and rewatch though. Maybe because it's more of Jericho, but it was just absolutely great. You know, I spent my whole entire life trying to be the next Shawn Michaels, and right now I'm concentrating on being the first Chris Jericho. There you go. It struck me in here that Jim Ross was already referring to Fozzie. So here we are, yeah. all these years ago, and you know, Fozzie's. Fozzie is relevant back then. And at one point in the match, Jericho starts to tune up the band in the corner. He adds a little shuffle to the yeah. band prior to, <laughs> prior to hitting Michaels with the sweet chin music. Michaels would kick out of that. But, you know, that, that just goes to, to uh, Jericho's showmanship. You know, what can I do to, you know, copy him, but, you know, add a little Jericho flair to it. Yeah. And then we got the, the come on, baby. He did that. He, he brought out all the old Jericho stuff. And then, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's it was, and it just never stopped from there. Like, how many? I believe Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, from the research I had to do with uh, the all-time World Cup uh, articles that I wrote, uh, this was feud of the decade in the 2000s. Oh. Uh, from what they did in this match, and then what they did later, on like 2007, eight, like in that era. Um, this was the feud of the decade. So like this was not this was given the proper credentials. This match was given its proper due. It, and like I said, this was Sean's first mania back since 14. So 15, 16, 17, 8. Yeah. So he's it's been five years since we've seen Shawn Michaels. He just came back at SummerSlam with that that hard-hitting feud all the way through uh through the rumble with Triple H. Or not through the Rumble, but you know, through SummerSlam Survivor Series with Triple H. Uh, and eventually it broke off to him and Jericho. That, that started right before the Rumble, which was absolutely great. I don't know if you remember the 2003 Rumble. Shawn Michaels, uh, I guess he lost a match uh, on Raw 
where he had to be the number one entrant in the Royal Rumble. Jericho then in turn won a match where he could pick any number he wanted. And he's like, I'm not letting Shawn Michaels upstage me. I'm taking two. <laughs> so that's how you knew going into that Royal Rumble that it was starting with Michaels and Jericho. And it was, I think, I think Michaels lasted all of 30 seconds. Like that was a beautiful setup by Jericho. Let me, uh, let me run through how this match closes. Cause I think it was a really interesting and fun finish. Yeah. So. Yep. So Sean climbs to the top rope, seemingly for his elbow drop. The crowd is going completely bananas for this elbow drop. Uh, but Jericho pushes Charles Robinson into the ropes, causes Michaels to fall, crotch himself on the turnbuckle. But no worries. Michaels would get that elbow drop in a few moments later, and the crowd, like I said, comes unglued. You see the camera yep. shots going everywhere. And this is the setup, right? So the crowd's going nuts because we know we're getting sweet chin music. Michaels stood in the corner. He tuned up the band, but Jericho slipped out of the way of Sweet Chin Music. Jericho grabbed both legs into a double leg takedown, went straight into the walls of Jericho. HBK would crawl to the ropes, but Jericho would pull him back to center. Eventually, Sean would squirm and get it, get his way to the ropes. The referee breaks it up. As Jericho is pleading with little Nate Charles Robinson, <laughs> Michaels must have tapped out. Michaels made it to his feet. Jericho turned around straight into sweet chin music one two no jericho kicks out yeah now, michaels attempts the irish whip into the corner jericho reverses we see that patented sean michaels in the corner flip around thing uh michaels comes back out of the corner does a creative roll up one two three gets the win so it was it was kind of a shocking shocking win. I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because we had the elbow, we had the speech and music, we had the walls of Jericho, but it wasn't one of those traditional moves to the finish. It was a roll up. No, like I said, this was this was to keep everything going because then after the match, you know, I looked up to you, Michael's fell for it, hook line and sinker, and then the low blow crowd booze. You know, Jericho spits on him. It was, it was great, Jericho. Good, it was one of my favorite Jerichos was that era. <laughs> Keller says, excellent match. Surprising finish in the sense that now is the time to elevate stars who can draw at house shows over every weekend. But the match was good enough that not much, done, not much damage was done. For non-wrestling, for not wrestling often over the past several months, Michaels delivered a nearly prime of his career level performance, four yeah. and a quarter stars. Meltzer also gave it four and a quarter stars and also wished the Jericho would have won. But then you go post-match, low blow, and a hug, or hug and a low blow. And there you go. Yeah, it's 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 the Sean you gotta build Sean back up. Like I say he eventually lost that feud with Hunter. Yeah. And then he got embarrassed at the Royal Rumble. It just it, it seemed like you know, like I said, a loss like that is not detrimental to Jericho. Jericho, you know, he was undisputed champion. He walked the aisles with both belts, you know, at WrestleMania 18. So it's not like Jericho can, you know, he can take a loss to a complete legend in his first WrestleMania back. There was there was some logic with that, and you know, it's it's all good. Whatever. Right. You know, four and a quarter star match. Great match. People always, when people think of 19, I know they're probably going to think most first, firstly of some of the matches that come later, but this is one of them. This is oh, yeah. of them. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. This is in the conversation. And oh, I was just about to say, I forget what I was about to say. Well, we're going to Limp Biscuit next. I don't know what song it was, but uh, but they got another another opportunity to, to play some music mm -hmm. after the match. So it's kind of like halftime, I guess. Yeah, well, that's yeah. This setup you got, you got the undercard was done, 
now now it's the big four. Now, now there was a four main event. You got two heavyweight championships. You got a career on the line, and you got the the ending of the greatest uh, rivalry in sports entertainment history. You know, arguably, well, but you know, I, I don't. And of course, you're, what you're referring to is the Miller Lite Catfight Girls yes. facing off with Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. They have a match on the bed. Stacey pins the coach. Probably, probably don't need to say much more. <laughs> no, that's it. You know, it was it was fun having them. You know, uh, you know, argue back and forth. Those were the commercials back then. They just, they just, they never agreed on anything, and it was just. You know, yeah. Hulk Hogan, Mr. McMahon, Hulk Hogan, Mr. And then the, then the big argument was where were they going to have this match? You know, the one girl wanted it in the ring. The other girl wanted it in bed. So that was that was a fun, uh, you know, the crowd moment right there popping every time the one girl said in bed. <laughs> yeah, and if this, is, if this is something that you're really interested in and you want to see, you're going to have to probably go watch WrestleMania 19 because you're not going to see that on Raw these days. <laughs> no, no, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So... But that's what Tori and Stacy did. You know, that that yeah. was their big thing. And they worked at it and they were good at it and they didn't care. They liked the attention. They liked being looked at. And, you know, they were better at that than they were in the ring. So it's, you know, it's all in your mindset what you wanted to do. You know, Trish didn't want to be that anymore. Trish wanted to be the wrestler. So that's why she went a different way. Yep. Yep. So match six, Triple H versus Booker. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you hold on one second, Rock? Excuse yeah. Okay. <laughs> World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Triple H versus Booker T. 18 minutes, 50 seconds. Very good technical Ric Flair style match. Uh, as you hold up the World Championship with your Triple H football jersey on. That's it. I got my Triple H football. Here's the plaque, uh, the, the Matt plaque from WrestleMania 19 right here. Under the one from 2000. This was, oh, this was a great night. Man, you must have been. Uh, you know, if you pick this, you know, you pick this match. Uh, I think a lot of people would have expected Hunter to win here. Yes. But, uh, but people, I think people were in Booker's corner as well. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But very good, Rick, like I said, Ric Flair style match. Hunter pulls out the Indian Deathlock. Yes. Jim Ross, they, they put this, they put this move over like crazy because you know we we haven't seen this move in in years and yep. stuff like that. But and it was that's that's that was the focus, right? We focused on Booker's leg the entire match. Yeah. And, and toward the end, Booker T hit the flipping leg drop from the top rope. And when I say flipping, I'm not trying to substitute for a swear word. He literally flipped. And yeah, that leg drop. It was the Harlem Hangover. He called it the Harlem Hangover in, uh, in, in WCW. He was his finisher in WCW, the Harlem Hangover. Um, but Flair, he put Triple H's legs on the ropes, um, so that, so he didn't get the finish there. Booker's leg was completely shot at this point. Hit the ropes, fell to a knee. Hunter put Booker in the pedigree, and after a long time. Long. How devastating is the pedigree, Ryan? <laughs> oh my God, that move! When he see, he was on his game in two thousand three. No pun intended. He was on his game. How devastating was the pedigree when he was on the top when in his prime? He had this belt for eight months, nine months, ten months, whatever. He had a brief hiccup with Shawn Michaels at the Survivor Series, and he got it back. He got, he was that's this was the best Triple H there was. And that pedigree was devastating. He was down for like a 50 count. That was incredible. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because uh, Booker was on his stomach for the pedigree, obviously. But by the time Triple H made it over to him, he was on his back. <laughs> He's like, ah, uh, so, uh, you know, the, the, uh, well, that was, that, 
Yeah, when you take the pedigree, when you have a head injury, I believe medical reports say it's easier to breathe when you're on your back. So Brooker Teams pretty much, you know, just trying to make sure he was, uh, you know, in concussion protocol at that time. Keller summarized the match in, a, in a, an appropriate way, I think. After 10 minutes of back-and-forth action in Act 1 of the match, Hunter dominated Act 2 by working over his leg for five minutes, setting up Act 3, which saw Booker's spirited comeback fall just short due to his knee being too weak to support him. Three and a quarter stars. Meltzer gave it the same rating. Um, yeah, and, and I think everybody kind of points to that pedigree and the length of time as a little bit of a burial of of uh, Booker T, which I know you'll uh, you'll smirk at that. <laughs> okay, but so in seriousness, though, there is a little bit of controversy associated with this match, and I don't. I think we can't not talk about it. So um, even in the pre-match promos for the match, you for the match, you hear it. Um, the someone like you being world champion yeah. gave a lot of people uh, racial tones to this match that. Um, is unfortunate and stuff like that, but uh, everybody thought Triple H should win, but that was that was out there and it was kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. So I just want to mention that that is unfortunately an undertone of this match. Yeah, they they did a whole thing on on Booker T's. Uh, you know, Booker T's actually not from Harlem; he's from Houston, Texas. But he you know he didn't have an easy upbringing. Right. Um. I. I it's almost you know. Someone like you, you know, they, they use that again when they were talking about Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero the following year about Eddie Guerrero being a drug user. So I, I, I'll disagree. Maybe at the time, you know, it sounded like that just because of who Booker T is. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a poor person, somebody that grew up in the ghetto. I don't think, you know, there's ways around that, which is why they use that storyline. And that's sympathy for Booker. That's more people in Booker's corner. Um, you know, because obviously you, you needed that support with – with everything that was happening with Angle and Lesnar, that was the big match. That's what everybody wanted to see, and that was the SmackDown title. So this title on Raw needed something more because it was also getting overshadowed on that show by Austin and Rock. So it was like, how do we get this? Like, how do we do this? And uh, I guess that was the route they chose. That's the only story that, you know, book. I think Booker T won a battle royal uh, to earn this opportunity. I believe it was right after No Way Out um, to determine how. And so this was, and to tell you the truth, Booker was the top guy. He was the yeah. top lady face at that time. And if you, if you scrap Austin and Rock, then and then other you know then you know you have Triple H and Booker T, and then you got Sean and Jericho, and those right. are, those were your top guys on Raw. And they, they they there was a nice pair off. I'd rather you know there was like yeah stories are story that's it happens you know they Booker T the year before fought over a shampoo commercial you know come on. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, let's move on to Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. Real quick before we do, just so you know, this was Triple H's third successful title defense in WrestleMania history. That is a record at WrestleMania 25. He That was his fourth. So uh, he is the all-time record holder with that, as long, along with most losses in WrestleMania history. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, it's, uh, on the subject of, of that's the whole, whole theme of the show is WrestleMania, but who is responsible for WrestleMania? Who was responsible for Hulkamania? Who was responsible for the WWE as we know it? Is it Vince McMahon or is it Hulk Hogan? Those are the questions we sought to answer with the next match. And if Hogan loses, as talked about in trivia, then he would have to retire. Yeah, and this was the big argument with the Catfight Girls at the beginning of the show. I mean, yeah. everybody was talking about this. Yeah, this this match got the most promotion of any other match on the card. Um, Vince got McMahon. 
What's that? It got the cover of the DVD. It got the yes. cover. I mean, this was. Yep. <laughs> I created you and you turned your back on me. I created Hulkamania and I'm going to kill it. He was so bitter about Hogan, you know, testifying against him in yep. federal court. Uh, Hogan said Vince better train, better say his prayers, better eat his vitamins. Uh, it's a it's a really interesting situation because Hogan did indeed testify against him in federal court. So, you know, it's real life, um, real life playing out here a little bit. And uh, this this was kind of this was a brutal match. Very yeah. brutal match. Yeah, chair shots to the head. Both guys cut each other. Night a good flow uh, of the crimson mask. Uh, fun, just out of nowhere, random appearance from Roddy Piper. And uh, I remember watching this. I'm like, if there's anybody that hates Hulk Hogan more than any, <laughs> it's Roddy Piper. He like people hate Hulk Hogan plotline wise, but if there's one person who hates him the most, it is Rowdy Roddy Piper. That was a nice little touch that they put onto that because uh, Hogan's career is on the line. Like Piper would have had the, he would have had the last laugh if he was the reason why Hogan had to retire. After like, 20 so years, so, years, whatever it was. So here, so here's the situation at that point in the match, both guys are already incredibly bloody, right? Blood yep. running down both their faces. The man comes in wearing a trash coat. Who is this? Who is this? It's Roddy Piper. As you say, he kicks McMahon and calls him junior. Yeah, Vince <laughs> hates that name. It, like, shoot, Vince does not like that name, Junior. Uh, and Piper then turns and hits Hogan with the pipe. So he wasn't really endearing himself to either man, but of course it seems no. like he was more on Junior's side than Hogan's. He but, hates uh, Hogan. No, he had no. He, I don't think he had anything to do with it. He just hates Hogan. It's <laughs> before WrestleMania one. I know they had the first main event of wrestling, but it, was, it goes way before that. He hates Hogan. So after Piper leaves, McMahon crawls to Hogan and makes a cover for one, two. Hogan kicks out as Michael Cole screams, there's still life left in Hulkamania. <laughs> McMahon hits Hogan with the pipe again. Crooked referee comes to the ring. McMahon hits Hulk with the signature Hogan leg drop. Ref counts one, two, and Hogan kicks out and Hulk's up like crazy, face yep. full of blood. The rid of the referee, we got one punch, two punch, three punch. Hogan hits McMahon with the big boot. Drops. Yes, drops not one, not two, but three signature leg drops for the pinfall victory. Hogan, Hogan, Hogan lives. Hulkamania continues to run wild is the call. Uh, and then Hogan poses to uh, forgettable music. It's not It's not his uh, Jimi Hendrix style. It's not his real American. Yeah, it's they didn't want to pay whoever owns the right to, to Voodoo Child, I guess, to be on uh, on, the, on the DVD. It's Voodoo Child, you know, on the DVD that I have. You know, I, I have everything in storage right now. I couldn't watch the DVD. Like, at least they made it onto the DVD, you know, uh, Voodoo Child, Jimmy Hendrix, you know, because he had the Hollywood Hogan. He didn't go back to uh, real America until he became Mr. America, right? That was the last right. time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, two things uh, real quick off uh, the top of my head. I believe that that uh, the referee was Sylvain Grenier. That was McMahon's yeah. referee, was Sylvain from Montreal. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then uh, just got to reminisce the point. I probably should have said this first before Piper grabbed the lead pipe. When Vince grabbed the lead pipe under the ring, and he came up, <laughs> and it's just the, the blood. It was like that. Like that picture just needs to be. Like Vince McMahon, that's the devil picture. Vince McMahon, like that is just the summed up that character 
and who he was as the evil boy. And people just saying WWE, you know, even Tommy Dreamer said it one time, yeah, you can still change your soul. That's why. You know, the devil with the freaking, you know. <laughs> It, that was it was a great shot, and you knew it was coming. The cameraman was right on the other side, right on the left, so everything was just mat level. It was very well done. Uh, Meltzer gave it three stars and said it was great because of who it was and the show it was on. Keller said, "I don't think there was even one traditional bump in the match, and they wrestled like forty-nine and fifty-eight year olds. But the blood and storytelling abilities of Hogan and Vince carried the match. Not to mention sheer inspired effort. The Piper twist was a good touch considering his history dating back eighteen years to the original." two and three quarter stars from him. So, um, you know, they're not going to rate it as like a masterpiece ring classic, but the drama was there. No, it was never supposed to be a master. No, that's not what it was. That's why they made it a street fight. Yep. Like if this was just a normal match. You know, who wants, who wants to see that? No, I want to see chair shots to the head. I want to see Vince jumping off a ladder, dropping a leg onto Hulk Hogan through a table, through the Spanish announce table. Uh, you know, it's just, you have to also mention, you know, okay, Shane McMahon comes to the ring. Hogan holds the ropes open for him. Shane gets in there to check on his dad. They have a little moment where they look at each other or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, Ho- and Hogan goes to leave. But, you know, as he's leaving, Vince McMahon, he doesn't he doesn't have the energy to do like a full sit-up or anything, but he gets his head off the mat just a little bit, and there's blood gushing down his face as he raises not one but both of his middle fingers. Yep. <laughs> To, to give to Hogan as he leaves. So it's like, I guess we have to acknowledge Hogan won the match, but McMahon's not going to admit sheer defeat in this. So. No, no, he didn't. You know, McMahon, uh, it's, he ended up winning the whole feud anyway, right? He unmasked Mr. America a couple, a couple months later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we move on. Match number eight, Steve Austin versus The Rock, Act 3. Um, tons of backstory around this match. You can hear Stone Cold on his own podcast talk about it. Yep. And virtually, you know, any anytime he talks about the end of his career, you know, he goes on in detail to talk about this this match and the relationship he had with The Rock and stuff and, and how they wanted so much to do a good match here. But we talked about it earlier. This whole event was hanging by a thread and also was in the hospital the night before. Um, I want to say up until like an hour before. Like I think he just got there, maybe like within the hour, hour and a half uh, before they were supposed to go out. Yeah, from the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Here's what was written at the time: Austin, 38. That's how old Austin was at the time. Austin, 38, agreed to wrestle and was told in no uncertain terms that if he were to continue his career, everyone was flirting with disaster. Austin was in the hospital most of the night before the show, although not directly due to neck problems. Austin had two vertebrae fused by uh, Dr. Youngblood in late 99 after suffering from spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of the spine, which he was born somewhat with, probably worsened playing football and was thrashed by pro wrestling, in particular his injury in 97 with Owen Hart. His C6 and C7 vertebrae are also are in need of fusion. His spinal stenosis has worsened and is suffering from spinal deformity. His hospital visit was related to the stress and anxiety about going through with his final match, given the condition of his neck. The doctors in Seattle did not want to release him to wrestle. But Austin was there. He did wrestle. And it was his last match. And the irony of the situation is not lost on me that the back of his vest says bulletproof. Yep, and there, and you know, he's clearly way more vulnerable than he would ever allow us to think. 
Well, the character was bulletproof, right? You know, Steve yeah. Williams might not have been. Steve, there was nothing stopping Stone Cold from being there. And you heard it, you know, but, you know before we get to the Rocks entrance, because that was incredible. But when yes. all that glass hit and Austin's walking down the aisle, the toughest son of a bitch to ever lace up a pair of boots. And you're just like, you, you hear, you just think it's just Austin. You know, you're talking about then they said that the, the mania of WrestleMania, where they detailed it was the stress of the match, him knowing it was going to be his last match, and he didn't tell anybody. I think the only people who knew were Vince and Rocky, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And it was just, it, it was everything plus like energy drinks and coffee. It was, it was just a, a holy thing, and it, it knocked him out uh, yeah. for a while. And he just, he's got to do, you know, he's got to do it. One, it was his last match. And he knew it, and that was the reason why I think he wanted to go through it. That was the reason why it was Rocky. That's why he brought Rock back for this. You know, Rock came back, and he fought Hogan the month before to avenge that loss. But that's another thing. But this was, this was everything, and that, and that's still to this day. Austin walking down the aisle at 19. That shot is still used to this day when talking about WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And then you know, going back, is you know, speaking of which, I forgot to mention during the Trish Stratus match. Uh, her her entrance at 19 is in the beginning. You see it every week, three times a week, yeah. and then then now forever segment. So, um, but yeah, but then it's Austin was un- unbelievable what he did, and you can kind of see it throughout the match. You just see it's just like he's getting slower and yeah. slow. It's just oh, it was it was almost poetic to the point. If you kind of wish it wasn't true, you know, it wasn't real. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I when I when Meltzer writes it, it says. You know, everyone was flirting with disaster. You know, that's what he was told. So yeah. I can't. I can imagine, like, okay, well, I want to go out and I want to have this storybook ending to my career at 38 years old. But man, all these things in the back of my head—if I hit, take a bump the wrong way, I could be lights out for you know maybe yeah. a walk. So, uh, but we have the match, and you mentioned the rocks entrance. Yes, you get. The, I love it. Uh, Hollywood Rock was my favorite rock. Corporate Rock's up there too, but you know it's Corporate Rock couldn't get it done at 15. Babyface Rock couldn't get it 17. Corporate Rock, I'm sorry, Hollywood Rock. The, the the intro with the helicopters and the traffic in Los Angeles. It's good. Oh, it's just <laughs> so the slow saunter of his music. It was the same music, but just the slow saunter and the the arms. Oh, it's so good. Jim Ross calls out during his entrance that Rock might be the greatest third generation superstar in wrestling. And, you know, who else is even in the conversation? At that, it's between him, at that point in time, it was between him and Chavo, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's funny. Meltzer had a list of like three people. Like who else? Yeah, well, Randy, Randy just started in 03. He, yeah. uh, he, Not, he came uh, in yeah. for a cup of coffee and he got hurt right away. So I think there was. On Sunday Night Heat, there was a, a, a Randy News Network reporter, whatever he was doing, uh, to update everybody on his injury back when he had curly hair. <laughs> yes. So, so as the match, we we eventually they get to the ring. The bell does ring, and we have the match. The Rock he puts on Steve Austin's vest, and he's strutting around with that, and he takes a rock bottom himself for that. Yeah. <laughs> Austin hits the Rock with the rock bottom. Doesn't get the W there or anything. But you fast forward toward the end of the match. The Rock hits not one, not two, but three rock bottoms, gets the win. Uh, and then Austin remained on the map, staring at the lights for a long time. Uh, the Rock poses in all four corners, goes and says hello to his mom and his family. He walks out. Eventually, Austin does get up. He walks to the back to his own music, 
raises his one finger salute, much like Vince McMahon in the previous match, except yeah. it was more of a term of endearment coming from Steve Austin and uh, before he leaves. So, you know, it, uh, four stars from both Meltzer and Keller. Uh, Keller says Austin, whose days as a full-time headliner are over due to his neck condition, delivered a smart veteran performance. He wrestled with his limitations without making it obvious that he had any limitations. Rock was a total pro, putting on another clinic of how to wrestle main event style without causing great harm to his opponent, uh, to him or his opponent's body. So you don't get much better praise than that. You, you can't. It's, in my opinion, this was the best of the three. Not that the, not that either of the other two from 15 and 17 were bad matches. They were both, at the time, they were both the big stories, you know, with Austin trying to beat Corporate Rock and Vince McMahon at 15 and then... Austin winning the rumble and then the face first face, eventually the heel turn by Austin at 17. This was the best of the, of the three. It had nothing to do with Rocky winning. It just, everything was just, there was no title on the line. It was, it was, it was perfect. And that last, you know, the first two rock bottoms he hit, he hit in like in motion. Like he, he ducked one, grabbed them, dropped and Austin kicked out that last rock bottom. He got him up and he just turned. And he just held him there. Like, you're just like, oh, my God, this is the nail in the coffin right here. And he picked him up and drilled him harder than I've seen anybody take that move. And I was like, oh, my God, that just – and that was it. And then, like I said, before he hit the turnbuckles, he had some – you know, he had the, the little piece, uh, the I love you. I believe I believe in the mania of WrestleMania, they asked him, what did you tell Austin? Because Rock was jawjacking on him. Maybe he looked like he was talking trash, but it was – he's like, that was for me and Steve. Sum it up recently. I, I love him, and that was it. And thank you. Mm-hmm. And I know it's obviously it was a lot longer than that. Is it trying to eavesdrop on it and Rock pushed him away? <laughs> I thought that was fun. But then, uh, yeah, like I said, I picked Rocky to win this just because I said, you know, there's no title on the line. Um, it, it just seemed like, okay, well, Rock can get this, and it's not going to be a problem. I know nobody had any idea this was Austin's last match, mm-hmm. obviously. So and I just figured, you know, Hollywood Rock, he's on fire right now. He's got the movies, you know, he, he, uh, it's just it was just too perfect for Rock to not win. So I just like that's the only reason why I picked Rocky. You know, it, there was no title on the line, so why not pick the Rock? And yeah. uh, you know, and that was it. That, that was, was still to this day. That was the last match Steve Austin wrestled. The next night on Raw, Rocky's finally, I've done everything. And then Goldberg came out. <laughs> yeah. Said Rock, you're next. And then I believe he dropped him at Backlash, and that was it for Hollywood Rock. And we'll, we'll just all erase that from my memory if we can. Yeah. <laughs> I like Goldberg's run in 2004, three and four. Was, Fair enough. Um, so we said we say goodbye to Steve Austin here. Now he yeah. Now he makes margaritas and does the Broken Skull sessions and straight yep. up Steve Austin. He's got a podcast. He's got a great um, beer. Yeah, and he. Uh, I've had it. I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> I'm trying to put him over. I'm trying to put him over. I've, I've never had it. I'm trying to put him over. <laughs> I think I have one here someplace. Um, but anyway, we move into Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar in the main event. Um, a lot of, uh, I guess, Again. the knowledge going into WrestleMania weekend is that the McMahon-Hogan match was going to go on last, and somebody got to McMahon and got him to switch it to, to put this match on last instead. So uh, good thing he did. But this is another situation. You said this mania was hanging by a thread yeah. because Kurt Angle was not in good shape going into this he needed surgery um it was potentially a a year-long uh rehabilitation period after the surgery they did find um just 
like just before this match, he had a doctor's appointment where they determined instead of uh, fusing the spine together, that they were going to just take out the bone spurs and that would allow him to come back in like three months. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's what ultimately what they ended up doing, but Kurt Angle was not in no. good shape here. He was really not, um, yep. but you never, I, w- I would challenge anybody to find a moment in this match where you knew it. The determination and just his will to put on the best performance of his career was was there in this match, and you know, and and we we all reap the benefit of that. Yeah, it's a, it, again, he said the, the mania of wrestling is like the Austin thing you didn't know about. Kurt Angle got leaked. Yeah, everyone we all knew, you know, from the, by the time the, the Rumble was happening. Okay, like. This this year's WrestleMania is going to be Angle Lesnar, and that's that's what everybody's been wanting to see. Lesnar just turned face uh, at Survivor Series after getting screwed over, lost the title uh, because of, you know Paul Heyman, the Big Show, won the Royal Rumble. Angle with a, an amazing match with Chris Benoit at the Rumble that not many people talk about. And it's like, you knew it was happening. You, you knew, it was, and, and all of a sudden, like this neck thing's coming out, and it got leaked out. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, Angle!" Like, okay, so we all knew Lesnar was winning too, but like. How hurt is Kurt? And then all of a sudden, the SmackDown before WrestleMania, they had a WWE Championship match. Like, oh my god! Like, I remember watching that live. Like, Angle really can't go. Like, he is that hurt. Like, they're dropping the title now, so that Lesnar has, I guess, as some kind of opponent. I, who knows what they're going to do at WrestleMania? And it was the Angle switcheroo. Like, Vince put one over on us. And Kurt put one over. He switched with his brother Eric. Yeah. And then he ended up pinning Lesnar and retaining the championship. So that was it was a fun little, you know, poke at us. Like, well, this is what you get for, you know, following, you know, leaks, you know, yeah. I guess kind of deal, you know. But I, I remember it was heart wrenching. I'm like, oh my God, like Kurt can't go to WrestleMania. Like, this is actually making him drop the title now. So, you know, I got fooled on that one. Good on Vince, good on the writers. Um, and yeah, as you watch that DVD, like this was all known going into it. It was well documented about, you know, how, and they're interviewing Brock, like Brock and Brock's this young guy. This is his first WrestleMania. He's less than a year in the company. And he's like, I am so nervous. And not, it's not even the fact that he's wrestling in the main event at 20, whatever he was. He's like, I really have to be careful with Kurt right now, or I can do some serious, like he was more nervous and more focused on making sure that Kurt Angle didn't get seriously hurt or hurt more than he already was, he forgot to protect himself, ironically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, but when you look at this match, you know, Keller reported that Kurt Angle guided Brock Lesnar to the best match of his career thus far, which, like you mentioned, wasn't very long. But 21-minute match of the year candidate, um, Let's get into it here. So you mentioned Lesnar main events, his first WrestleMania. It's a 21 minute match. Uh, Angle slam, Lesnar kicks out. F5, Angle kicks out. Ankle lock, Lesnar gets to the ropes. Kurt goes for another Angle slam, but Lesnar slips out and hits an F5. And this is where things got scary. Yeah. This is where, this is what you've been referring to. Lesnar doesn't go for the pin. He has a sheepish, maybe devious smile, look come over his face. He crawls to the corner, climbs the ropes. Now, Angle is three-quarters of the way across the ring, too far for even a frog splash or anything like that. But Brock goes for a shooting star press. 
which happens to be the move that actually got him noticed as a top talent to begin with. And it was also the same move that they forced him to retire because of how dangerous it was for him to do it. And it should have stayed retired because all 290 pounds of Lesnar landed on his face. Yep. Eventually, Lesnar came to after hitting that shooting, <laughs> taking that shooting star press in the face. He had an F5, got the W, became the new champion. But that shooting star, that's something that also you see whenever you see the uh, don't try this at home stuff. You yeah. see that shooting star press. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, you watch it. I don't laugh at that. You know, this isn't Matt Seidel slipping at, you know, the, the casino ladder mat, whatever that, that, that match was. This isn't, and I feel bad. You know, he's hit the move before. There was video footage of him hitting, like you said, he's, he, he does this. Yes. Angle too far. Yeah. Brock put him there, though. That's the, that's the, you know, gonna blame himself for that one. Brock was, that's where he F5'd him. <clears throat> but, you know, like, you're this young kid. You're this, you're this young kid. You just won the WWE Championship. For him, it was the second time, but you just won the WWE Championship in the main event against a future Hall of Famer, and you don't remember it. Like it's like it's like a really, really sad thing. Like this is supposed to be, and probably like it's one of those, you know you never forget your first time, right? Brock Brock did. He 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 never, and, and it's a really sad way to look at it. But you know it's. You know, these two guys, you know, the, the commentary was good here. A lot of talk about how they were their amateur backgrounds. You know, obviously, Kurt, 1996 Olympic gold medalist. Brock Lesnar, NCAA champion. But, but yeah, to your point, great match. You know, the critics are giving it four and a quarter, four and a half stars. Yeah. Um, but Brock does not remember the end. Now, like I said, it's, it, it, and you see it too. Like he, he couldn't even get to his feet. He couldn't even get to his feet at the end of that match. You know, eventually he did, and he kind of, you know, yeah, his hand out for Angle, and Angle even said on the documentary too, because they filmed it afterwards too. Like, oh my god, like he was out, like he had no idea, and he even Brock said, "I was out." But it's a, it, it's an unfortunate thing. It was a great match. It, it, it delivered what everybody's expectations were, even with like I said, you never knew Angle was hurt, and it completely delivered. Those were the top two wrestlers at the time, and like I said, this was the time. You know, the WWE draft, you know, Brock got drafted by Raw, but when he beat The Rock, he jumped to shift to SmackDown. He was supposed to appear on both shows, and he's like, no, nah, I'm going to go to SmackDown. You know, you know, Stephanie's going to pay me more money to wrestle over there, and it's just completely screwed over Bischoff. But uh, it was – it was you had the, the names on, on Raw. You had the Triple H. You had Jericho. You had Michaels. You had Rock and Off. You had the names on Raw. You had – the wrestlers on SmackDown. It was Angle. It was Lesnar. It was Benoit. It was Eddie. Uh, it, it was Team Angle. Whatever. Th this was it. Like this was the one that everybody was looking forward to since the Rumble. Like I said, everybody, everybody and their mother had Brock Lesnar winning that Rumble, and and Kurt Angle beating Benoit and, going, and eventually leading to these two. So and it, it did not disappoint. It, it, those are the two best wrestlers at the time. Those might be the two best wrestlers in history. That might actually. You know, other than maybe uh, Angle and Guerrero, that might actually probably be the best wrestling heavyweight championship match, you know, in, in WrestleMania history. That's high praise. High praise. Like I said, four, four and a quarter, four and a half stars. Yeah, That's our high ratings. And, yeah, and we had many of them on this show. Maybe Dave was drunk during that show. I'll tell you, the, so it comes down to, um, well, as we, as we tape this in 2021, we recently had a takeover on Valentine's Day. 
they've gave most of those matches four stars, only one below four stars. So, you know, if it's the wrestling that the critics pay attention to, not the, the drama and stuff like that. So uh, that's where you get the, the stars. And the wrestling on the show, this was a wrestler show. Like I mentioned, one interview, one interview, besides the cat fight girls, there was just the one backstage interview. So this was a wrestling show. This was, and it, it did not, this was, this was all hands on deck. And like I said, it's just, if you, if you can find some way, I don't know where, why it's not on a WWE network, but that mania of WrestleMania documentary is that it was narrated by Jesse Ventura. It covers, you know, the undertaker streak with Michael's return with angle surgery with Austin being hospitalized. It was just, it, it was just a roller coaster. It was an absolute roller coaster. Of, and like I said, we didn't even know half of it until after. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, you know, following Mania, I think Michaelis was hurt. Taker was hurt. All, you know, obviously, we talked about Angle being hurt, Rocks, Hollywood. So That's all those guys were. No, 19. Oh, after yeah. 19. Yeah. So, um, so we come to the question. Show's over. We talked about it all. Does this WrestleMania hold up? And then let me just say, tell you what the critics have said. Keller, it turned out to be one of the most memorable, critically acclaimed pay-per-views ever, with career moments for Lesnar, Angle, Hogan, McMahon, Austin, Rock, Michaels, and Jericho. And Meltzer said, all the counts is that WrestleMania was a phenomenal show. Of all the WrestleManias, it probably ranks number two behind only X7. He said that at the time. So, yeah, not the benefit of 20 through 37. Um I say it holds up. There's some things, you know, the catfight girls and stuff that that probably would never happen today. But God, that wrestling was good. No, like I said, it was cover to cover. Like I said, there's really only one match you can fast forward, and it's the Undertaker. And you're not going to fast forward the Undertaker. And like I said, just his entrance alone was absolutely phenomenal. No, this this 100% holds up. Nine matches. Not really – if you want to call the tag match a car crash, I mean, fine, whatever. It was funny because there was six guys. But it was – you can't get – and he said at that time, probably the greatest women's wrestling match uh, in history up until that point, you know, and then up until what, you know, Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and Bailey did, you know, starting a takeover and then forward into their WrestleMania matches. So like this was this was yeah this is this is my favorite this is and it's just cover to cover it does not disappoint I'll watch it over and over and over again the atmosphere was great I thought the coloring around the ring and the black robes I thought that was all I just everything about it was perfect everything was about it was perfect you know it's interesting that this the the look and feel of Safeco Field I mean we didn't talk about that at the beginning of the show but it's different than most than a lot of the other ones yeah it, it just has a different vibe to the look and you mentioned kind of with the ropes and stuff like that so it's kind of sprung to me but that's why you can pick out that trish stratus entrance so vividly because this wrestlemania was a unique look i don't know if it was the blues or what it was but yeah yeah I, who knows i said it was uh you know it was weird because you figured it like i guess the the first part of it was daytime right you know seattle you know if this was starting eight o'clock you know on the east coast so what is that five over there my math was correct yeah. So well, you know, it's it's you had a little bit of you know daylight on the pre-show, you know, um, where uh, Storm and Morley beat you know RVD and Kane with the help of the Dudleys. That's something you didn't even have the Dudleys on the show. Like, oh my god, like they didn't even make the main show. Rob Van Dam didn't make the main show. Kane, that broke yeah. Kane's WrestleMania streak. He didn't make the big show. You know, that's like that's that's absolutely crazy. Plus John Cena and his yeah. rap battle. Yep. So. All right. Well, let me tell people about a few things before we before we get out of here. Um, 
Primetime Rundown. Join Joey Jarzanka, Ian Schreier, and Robin Luca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. We take you through the world of sports, and our show kicks off at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. We also have the Essential Wrestling Podcast that Al hosts. Uh, I'm there. John DeCani's there. Gary Maffey, John Smith. We take you through the week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. each and every Tuesday on the Eastern Observer. And the Daily Wrestling News Show, this show, is every day, Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. Um, so definitely tune in to all of these great shows. Al, any final words on WrestleMania 19 before we go? Uh, no, I, I would. this is up there for me. This is number one for me. Absolutely love this show. Uh, what I will do, though, as we're going off air, we will uh, we'll get to the close-up right now. We're moving. We'll get the close-up right there. That's the, that's the map plaque that we have. That's that's Hunter and the deadliest pedigree of all time. <laughs> Booker T still feels it to this day. He, yeah, he's still down. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. Uh, that's been our show for the day. Definitely catch us for you know our live shows every day and and more of these WrestleMania shows. So until then, it's been a lot of fun talking about WrestleMania 19, and we'll see you next time.